I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Damika Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And if society doesn't hate women, then how are fake pockets a thing? <sighs> fake pockets. I I also don't like how like on a new like blazer or something, like the pockets oh. are stitched. Like I understand it's to keep it like looking nice, but like why? Uh, nothing makes me feel like more of a vigilante than taking my seam ripper to that right. and just been like, oh, 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 God, oh, I'm so like you can. It never looks as clean as you think it's going to. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just feel weird taking a seam ripper to a brand new garment. Right. I feel the same, and I know that like that's what you're supposed to do because mm-hmm. otherwise, how's that pocket gonna open? And why yeah. would they create a whole pocket and then stitch it? Yeah. But yeah, I. I don't know. And then phone, my phone is so big now, it doesn't fit into any female <laughs> pocket anyway. No, no. And I needs my pocket. I needs, needs my pocket. Uh, you're right. The phones are getting slightly out of hand, though. I think that's everyone, even like, um, you know, people who are a bigger stature or men's phone. They are huge. What are we supposed to do with these things? I thought it went from being like sleek, like the razor, right? That was really big in the 90s, <laughs> <Razor>. right? <laughs> yes, I took it all the way. Not that I could afford one. I never the- had a razor. <laughs> but everyone in the movies had one. And I just remember thinking like, oh, it's so sleek. Like phones are just getting tinier and tinier now between phones, the five camera lenses they're putting on the otter boxes no one's paying us to say this uh that they're putting said phones in they they've gone right back to like brick status it's cr- it's crazy it's absolutely crazy here's my proposal mm. let's go back to pagers ooh <sighs> i love a pager because you can ignore a message you can you can and i feel like I don't know. There's not. It's it does what it does. It just pages. It just lets you know someone is trying to get a hold of you. Someone's thinking of me. Look, someone's thinking. (laughs) (laughs) I need to pick up somebody. I need to be in front of this building. Dot. Like it gives you bare bones information. Did you have a pager? I did have a pager. Yeah, Mm. I had a pager. It was the color of bubbles. My favorite color. Yeah, I and it, I used to um like a, my subscription or whatever was from this little one of those little like pager huts that I were ubiquitous. Love it. <laughs> yeah, and so it was like near my grandma's house, so I'd have to like walk over there once a month and pay like my $15 for my service. <laughs> like <laughs> I was all about phone cards. I had phone cards. I was a 10, 10, 3, 2, 1, whatever kid. That, that, that was my life. So if you don't know what any of those things are, go to your local museum and uh, look for a phone card and, and a pager will be adjacent from it. So Yes. Uh, so I, I bring up pagers to take it back because <laughs> oh. today we're taking it back. Oh, um, all the way. Yeah. And, and I feel like we, we've watched a series that we're talking about i don't know why i always insist on like revealing things like people don't know what we're talking about when they already saw the title of the episode (laughs) like people already know what we're talking about but it's for me it's for me it's It's and it's all about it's for me and it's all about the build-up i'm here i'm here for it so as you were yeah so taking it back yes pagers when Mm. they were new and sexy and like a cool thing we just finished watching a series where we see a lot of pagers uh, <laughs> so i thought that it was a nice a nice bridge from from the moment of now to the time of selenas perfect uh i feel this is perfect so it's January and we're just tying up all the loose ends of 2021. We're making sure we're starting off the year fresh. And we had like this hanging Chad of this, of, I was listening back of our 2020 going into 2021 and we had this happy place. And actually I'll, um, I'll include the little clip here so you guys can be right, be right with us. But I, talked about how, uh, Selena, the Netflix series was my happy place, to which a very shocked Danny revealed to me how controversial that was. So why don't you just go ahead and give it a little listen right here. A cue flashback harps. (laughs) 
Um, so I'm back to my old shenanigans. Oh it's, no, you can't have ten happy places, Tamika. <laughs> Rain that shit in. Oh, you are the worst. <laughs> I was gonna say I had a happy place, and then I listened to our kind of our roundup last year, and it made me mm. very happy. So it was something about you and me. Okay. 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 <laughs> It was it was something about you and me, and I love that at the top of the show we talked about how we don't like resolutions, and then kind of sort of made resolutions. And how- yes, <laughs> and it was so quintessentially us, and it made me very very happy. So anyway, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but um, Selena, the series is, is that that's your happy place? That's my Ooh, happy place. Can't controversial, Jamaica. <laughs> Is it okay? So here's the thing. I have actually low key, but like when I heard they were doing it, I was like, I have to watch it. And so I have looked up. I didn't want anything to ruin this for me. I just wanted to watch. I haven't. I haven't done very much because, like I said, I life is crazy, and I haven't been able to sit down and watch a lot of TV. So I haven't gone too too far into it. Um. But it's like, I don't know, I guess it just takes me, it takes me back. And um, growing up in the Southwest, it was obviously a really huge deal. And I remember, I think I said it before, we're in my middle school lobby to have a Selena fan club. And to me, just moving to back to America from the first time I went to Europe, it was such a cultural understanding of the, this icon. And because she had already bleeped passed already so it was like wait why do you want to have a fan club of someone who had passed and I didn't get it and it was such a beautiful introduction to not only uh just pop culture but also to the the Latinx community at the time and having a friend just kind of explain to me even then you know before being really awakened to what it meant was so beautiful and so I have such a huge soft spot for that Mm, yeah I I have it on my list and I keep going back and forth just because there has been so much critique of it oh please tell me or maybe don't no do it tell tell me (laughs) tell me you know it's hard because she is she's like such an icon Mm -hmm. right of my community I know (laughs) I feel like I want I I feel like it would be important to you and I feel like I should do this. Yeah, no, it's it's important and maybe we should do a full episode after I watch it. Ah, uh, good times, good memories. <laughs> we were so, so young, so youthful. <laughs> we really thought we'd be in different places. Or what yeah. didn't we? Didn't we? <laughs> I definitely I definitely did not see this. <laughs> Year ago, as being where I am, but here I am. St- same closet. Same <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but so it took us a year and some change, but we finally both did it. We finally both watched both parts of, yeah, both parts, right? Did you yes. watch both parts? Okay. I did watch both parts. Yes, yes, yes. In fact, how much did you watch? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. So Damika knows this because I texted her earlier this week. But I was like, I watched so much Selena yesterday that I had dreams in Spanish. Like that is legit <laughs> where I was this week. I love it. It's actually so I don't when I send like little laughing emojis, I wish I can explain to people that I'm legitimately laughing. Like when you said that to me, I couldn't help it because two nights before I dreamt I was at a Selena concert. And I remember I had like was waving the white roses and like singing. <laughs> I promise you, trust and believe. And you know what really sucks in my dream? I didn't even have good seats. I was like in the nosebleeds. Like even in my dreams, I can't afford good shit. Like how messed up is that? <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we have finally watched the series and we're going to kind of share our thoughts a little bit and go for it and kind of see is, is it still a happy place? Um, yeah, I, I, of course, as a surprise to no one, have mixed thoughts about Selena the series. Uh, As I mentioned in the previous episode, when we were talking about this, Selena is just like such an icon, and I think an important icon. And so, of course, anything that is Selena, like people are going to have a problem with. Uh, But I also feel like because of that, anything Selena, people are 
super excited about. So I think I think it's it's both of those those feelings that I have watching it. Um, yeah, I I I have a lot of nitty gritty to get into, but I I don't want to derail us too much. So my my simple answer is it's complicated. <laughs> How about you? What did you think, Damika? It, you know, it was a roller coaster, and, and just for that reason of I want to love it, and I'm and I'm I'm gonna defend it. That's the, even the worst part. Fully well knowing that there there are some flaws, uh, I, yeah. At one point it was so nostalgic, and other points it was so disappointing. It was, it was, it was a roller coaster. That that's how I felt. Like uh, up till I finished the very last episode, because it took me a while last night, just the last one, and it, it ended on a huh. That's exactly- yeah. I watched the last episode this morning, so I got you beat. <laughs> oh, um, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I would agree. I think that that's a good description of it. Um, definitely a roller coaster. I think watching it you need to be watching it for entertainment which feels like a weird thing to say because like why like a show that's we we all know the story of selena going in like i think there are very few viewers who are going to go in and know nothing about selena i mean it's possible but probably unlikely and we all know like we're waiting for these milestones to hit as we're watching the series so it's it's a different sort of experience. And I think if you're holding it up, like examining it as a mirror of real life, that you're going to be disappointed. Um, if you're watching it, hoping to learn something new about Selena, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. So I think if you're just watching it for entertainment, then it becomes a lot more palatable. Mm, that's actually solid advice. Uh, I guess this is where we put that little warning for those who don't know who selena is or what we're talking about i guess spoilers and not that i want to put any of this next to biography but like i'm not apologizing for any of that i'm just saying (laughs) i mean can you have spoilers when it's about someone's life when it's not a fictional story i I know i don't think you can but you'd be real surprised girl i'm just covering all bases it's it but you do have to do that and i agree i think when you take it as entertainment you can enjoy it and i think that's where i really struggled because i was one of those people i'm like oh a whole series unlike the two-hour movie from 1997 starring jennifer lopez you can actually have more time and let some storylines breathe don't somehow somehow less character development in a two series series two are, are, season series are, are, are we gonna get into it or are we getting into this right now <laughs> i mean we don't have to but oh. i but i do think yeah it's it was very surprising that it was less character development in the series than in the movie and the movie's controversial in itself yeah. you know yeah 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 uh quick quick take tamika which mm. which do you enjoy oh, more oh. Don't do it. I knew you were going to do it. I, uh, and I sat there prepared. You know what's even funny? I rented the 1997 one because I hadn't watched it in so long to see to see if my, my thoughts were still true. I didn't finish it. I think I'm I think I'm still going to have to go with the movie. I think one, the budget and you can't beat the budget and you can tell the budget difference between the series yeah. and the movie, even though the, the series obviously made, you know, the last few years and the for 1997, just the, the, the quality, uh, like I said, the depth, there's a little bit more depth of characters, uh, a little bit more of the backstory of, of the dad, which girl, that could be a whole other episode. Don't think he's going to get off scot-free in this episode today. So yeah, I, I like I said, also very controversial. But I think as far as enjoyment and fandom, I think I'm still gonna stick it with to to the movie. What about you? Movie, handstand movie. I know it's a controversial take, uh, but I I really like the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. I I you know, and that and that's what was like I said. I was really looking for to deeper dive into a little bit more into the mind of Selena because I will say what both the movie and the series does is that it's a really paints Selena is a very 
one-dimensional. But again, I will not that I'm giving anyone any credit. What the series did remind me of was how young she was. Mm. I will say in the movie with Jennifer Lopez playing it and just how she's depicted and there's there's this is no shade in her style she has a little bit more makeup the way that she presents herself tends to be a little bit older in style and dress that's not a problem but this series reminded me of just how young she was doing all this starting these businesses being this Tahano music icon just so so young so yeah um I and I think Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Jennifer Lopez was actually younger than Christian Serato mm-hmm. um, when she played Selena. So that's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting take that she mm-hmm. seemed older um, because I, I had to look up how old Christian Serato was because I'm like, wait, they have her playing a 15 year old. She's like 30, <laughs> like, um, which I thought was an, a weird choice because I I do agree. I do agree that she felt younger towards the end of her life um, than J-Lo's depiction. But I found her as a teenager a little jarring because she seemed too old for those years, the early years of of her fame. Mm -hmm. I I thought that was interesting, too, that they didn't decide to just hire a a different actress. Yeah, because they had a different actress playing young Selena. And then all of a sudden it was like, we're skipping ahead three years and she looks like 20 years older. Like, this is very (laughs) jarring. No wig. No wig can can fix that. Girl, the wigs. Okay, so let's just talk just (laughs) theories. Let's talk. And that's why another reason why I'm going to go with the movie. And I talked about quality. Let's talk about wigs, clothes makeup and fake booties let's right. let's get into it all right so we know it was the 80s and 90s you don't have to remind us but these wigs you got <laughs> how are they gonna do her dirty like that how I know. Are they gonna... the, mom, the mom and selena had it the worst those two character wigs they need that that's criminal for a moment <laughs> i thought you were gonna call them muppets which would be like a fair <laughs> description of how they looked with the wigs um yeah the wigs here's what i did appreciate i did appreciate that there was more uh variety in Mm. her her styling because that has been a thing that that's true that's true she did like to experiment and and switch up her look um and i'm glad that they made that part of her character and part of the depiction of the character but the wigs were just so bad and yes it was a different time yes the styles were outlandish but like they just looked like wigs they didn't look real like you look at pictures of selena and like her hair looks more 80s and 90s than it did Mm. in the series Mm. and and it looks like real hair because it was real hair so i think yeah i don't know how somehow they made bad wigs that were too over the top but also like not on the mark for the era yeah, that that was real complicated. And and I felt that way of like, because, you know, some people lost hair, short hair. They gave some people, some of the guys longer hair. And I'm like, ooh, those clip-ins. Ooh, these man weaves. It was just r- rough all the way around of that. Like that was something that was actually so important to the story of fashion. It was so yeah. important to the Selena character that that would be the thing that you could see where the budget kind of really showed. And the driving scenes like with them, obviously, like with the green screen background and they're driving and having these conversations because they actually have, uh, as the Selena character gets older in the series, a lot of her driving, especially with her sister. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, I feel like it's like those old school where the background's actually on a rolling paper, you know, <laughs> they just kind of roll the paper yes. the background during some of the talkies. And it was just like, but wait, but wait, Netflix, I know you have the money. Yeah, well, here's here's where I I jump ahead a little bit, but I, uh. I do want to stay on this this topic. But the budget for this series, like it's so funny because you hear two million dollars an episode and you're like, that's a lot of fucking money. But <laughs> we think about that Netflix money and mm. I Part of it was because they licensed this series as part of their like Latin American division rather than the U.S. division, Um, you know, because you can't tell a story of the Latinidad 
that's American, just U.S. American. It has to be <laughs> Latin American. Um, it's it's just funny to think about even posthumously. Selena is still facing the same issues that she faced as a young artist. Like she wanted, she didn't speak Spanish initially. She wanted to sing in English, um, but she was not seen as someone who spoke English, even though she didn't speak Spanish. Yes, she learned Spanish later, but she, she faced those same challenges. And then even the series, you know, 25 years later, after her death is still like facing those same issues where it's like, nah, this is a Latin American thing, not a, a U.S. American thing. Um, so the budget was so much lower because you look at things like The Crown. It's like $13 million an episode. Oh, uh, just gushes money. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> and, all the, and the wigs are better. <laughs> the wigs are much better. So, uh, but I, I do, and you, you do see that divide and you would think with how far we've come and to me, what popularity and fandom that you think there would be a little bit more put that into a mainstream story. To me, she is a pop icon, not just like, you know, Tejano music and culture, like the Salinidad of it all. But to me, I think of her as a, as a pop icon. Like she created the crossover in my mind. You can't not tell me otherwise of this artist and that... That breaks my heart a little bit of where we're kind of putting her. And I was even just uh, researching of just like how much Selena is still worth. And they're like, well, because of the music and the mixture between Mexican uh, music charts and billboard, that there's still this divide of whether necessarily put her in that kind of affects how much she's worth overall. And I'm like, that is hot garbage to me. Because I think about just like, and we talked about, you know, even merchandising alone, like millions of dollars still to this day, but it's, it's really complicated. But you, so we've talked about the quality of the storytelling itself, of the, of the, you know, the actual, like the details and things of that nature. But let's talk about story development and character development. Um, Before we get into that, can we stay in this realm of the physical so I think it's also really important to note, and we touched on this in the flashback, uh, but there was so much controversy around the actress playing Selena and the whitewashing Ooh. of mm -hmm. Selena. Um, and we like there have been a lot of pictures going around the Internet that have Selena, then J-Lo, then Christian Serato, like all in a line, like showing the gradual whitewashing of Selena and the colorism within the Latino community. So I think I think it's worth worth discussing a little mm. bit here. And you brought up the fake butt. Which is part of that too, <laughs> which is I think maybe that's why I put it more into the like the the character of how important is the look mm. of the character when we start getting into casting? Because we saw this with uh, with uh, Nina Simone when they had someone they actually had to darken for for a role, and we were seeing this more with people who are mixed because Miss Solano, who played Selena in the series, she's Italian and Mexican, I believe. I don't I know. Think that's, I, I think didn't she's, do research on her. No, no, no. I believe she's Italian and Mexican. And I think I had to tell myself of like, there's no shame to the actress. There's no shame to any of the actors and actresses that took part in this. But we do have to kind of say, what was the point? Or what were they after hiring someone who was not just lighter skin, but had more European features, i.e. a slender face, a thinner nose, uh, I'm sorry, girl, like of slender posterior to where they actually had to pad the bootay. Uh, what what would be the point of that then? D does that make sense? Like what, what was the, well, she just embodied it more. Is that really embodied when you have to synthesize the body? I don't know. That's difficult. Yeah. I think it's a complicated issue when we're talking about these like biopic sort of mm -hmm. things, because like should should the aim be to cast the most physically resembling actor or is it like you said that embodiment of the character and i think that it is a thin line that people have to walk and decide on um and and i mentioned before there was so much controversy around jennifer lopez playing selena um because she was not even chicana mm -hmm. um and so I don't know. I think for me, what 
Jennifer Lopez brought to the role was the fact that she was a dancer and -hmm. you could see it like she could embody like her performance was was so strong and I feel like we really lack that with this new Selena like you can tell Mm -hmm. like she is she is very clearly trying to mimic her the best she can but she does not have that same like spark in her performance and so for me i'm like okay if she is not a dancer if she does not resemble selena like what is she doing Mm. in this role and no shade because like i'm not saying that i could play selena because i too am too light and too thin like i think i cannot like physically i do not look like selena and i think that for so many she was such a an icon and part of the issue was like she was not seen as american Mm -hmm. because of the way she looked because she had heavy indigenous features she was still light-skinned for a mexican but not like white like i don't think anyone would call her a white mexican-american and Yes, her her shape was so just iconic. And so you know, like they were in this situation, had they not given Christian a fake butt, people would have been pissed. They oh, gave yeah. her a fake butt, people are pissed. Like people are going to be pissed either way. So, I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> the answer is, but like Selena was a thin woman. She was like very very thin but had a very large butt. (laughs) And I think it's hard to find people who naturally have that figure. Like you see a lot of, a lot of good butts in (laughs) the Mexican American community, but not always with that tiny, tiny waist. Right. So I think it's hard to find someone to really embody that, that physicality. Mm -hmm. The thing is, so surprisingly not, I don't have necessarily issue with the padding. It was once again, the messiness. Mm. If you're going to do it, do it to a way that is respectful towards the body type. And the fact that they probably had to do it so much because the original actress is very slender by nature. Like even like her frame is a little bit more slender than Selena herself, like arms. Cause she was like, you know, the Selena was a dancer. Like you said, had been dancing on stage her, her most of her entire life. She worked. Like, she had a little bit of athleticism to her. That's true. That's true. So, and when I look at her frame a little bit wider in the shoulder and just had these really, like you said, this beautiful silhouette that you can probably pick out anywhere, I have no problem with that. It's just, once again, it's the quality to what it is done that I'm like, eh. But you're right. The fact that they had to do it so much and had to try to portray this woman who is lighter and thinner, who doesn't sing and doesn't dance. And what is shocking is that the Quintanilla family was behind so much of this it's like why would they sign off on this and be okay with this when I think if this is me you know if I ruled the world right there are so many impersonators out there yeah but the Quintanilla family has such a bad relationship with all those impersonators yes get into it like it's (laughs) yeah it's bad it's bad bad yeah yeah and and I think I think there is this certain level of, to bring it back to the colorism that exists within the Latino community. And that was part of the reason why Selena was such an icon, because you looked at like Telemundo in that time period, and everyone on Telemundo was like white, blonde, blonde hair, light eyes. Um, like the representation was not there. So to see someone with, with browner skin, with black hair, um, who was such a presence in pop culture at that time was so important. But I think this this disease of colorism, this like terrible lens in which we have been forced to view the world is so ingrained that whether conscious or not, it must have impacted the casting and even from the Quintanilla family it's not necessarily about who 
looks the most like Selena, but who is going to be like the best representation of Selena? Mm, and there we have it. And, and you know what? And something I think the movie did also a little bit of a better job at was talking about the division of not just colorism, but of Spanish. Those mm. Mexicans who know Spanish and those who who don't. And I think right. there's something the series I will give to them they felt a little bit more planted in Texas and I think it kind of gives a little bit more of a yes. focus to the Mexican Texan relationship that we have down there and this is not necessarily a knock on Jennifer Lopez's uh, performance in it but I never not knew that she was from New York mm. she, uh, no matter what she did I'm not even saying it's an accent but it's it's, it's an, a vibe and it's a mentality of like I knew she was from the Bronx I knew she was from New York yes. that's like you can't take that out of her. It is in her bones. It is in her soul. And I think with this particular series, because of where they chose to film it and where they're showing and the people they have to involved, uh, the background performances they chose to incorporate, you really got a little bit more of the Texas Mexican experience, which I think was a little bit more important because of that that interesting dilemma, that, that dicon of those Mexicans who settled into Texas, like you said, having that pull of, well, now you're American now. You've been American. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing is it's, you know, I live in this, in the borderlands and mm -hmm. we live in a, a place where the, the border crossed us. We did not cross the border. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is a very different vibe than people who like immigrated to New York City, right? Like yeah. it's, so I think within like we as a culture we have this this idea that like we want to treat latinos latinx community as a, a monolith and it's not that like we all know that but even within like chicano mexican american community it's not a monolith but that being said i think there is a certain vibe a certain feeling that we have for those of us who are from the borderlands um and so i i do agree that the series did a better job of presenting that sort of life and in particular and this is just true to life shit um in particular with the quintania kids right and the family because their father spoke spanish and their mother did not and they were both they were both chicanos and the kids we see the range right like mm -hmm. ab the son speaks spanish and then selena learns spanish and then suzette like never really learned spanish um and so we see we see all of that. And even within the band, like Chris doesn't speak mm -mm. Spanish when we see like the whole range. And I think I found that really interesting. And I know like I've always known that was part of the Selena story, but I don't think we get the same sense of it in the movie. Like even though there's the very, very famous scene. Um, but I think... I think for me, as as someone who Spanish is not great, I I love to see that because I feel like, you know, I feel feel seen in a certain certain sense. But then the irony is not lost on me of like the people who are like Selena super fans growing up who like teased me and bullied me for the very reason of like my mm. Spanish not being good and worship Selena. So I think <laughs> I think it's it's an interesting dichotomy even within the community. It is and it it's it's really great to see it play out in that that it was within the community and they were so worried about being torn apart in these interviews and and having that fandom that it was so important to have that face and not to, to sound authentic in their Spanish and so something that we've talked about on the show of that of like how when people identify themselves within their ethnicity within their race how important does language play in that because so many people like I said whether parents decided to or not teach that home language you know that that is a huge deal for a lot of our unicorns we've heard some people who have decided to learn it on their own as an adult to feel a little bit more tied to their culture and some people feel like it's not necessarily a need and then we have this breakdown of talking to the generations when we don't because we might have grandparents that 
don't speak any English. And then there's this kind of breakdown. And so you're right. I think the series played a little bit on that. I mean, as much as the series did, like I said, that there was, I'm not going to say not to give them too much credit. Yeah. 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 I'm saying if you're looking for depth, go somewhere else. You know, I think peach cans got more depth in this series than, than actual people did. And if that did not, was not funny to you, you did not watch the series. (laughs) It's, uh, and, and, and that's a shame, but I think calling it out, and I love that you kind of made that that correlation of you and your experience of being made fun of for not necessarily knowing Spanish and being more similar to Selena in that way. Uh, you know, it's 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 so interesting. Thank you for sharing that experience. I really appreciate that. Yeah, and I I don't think that's an unusual experience. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I I think I think it's worth getting into now a little bit about the content of the series like you jokingly say peach cans got more <laughs> got more depth um and that is a, a lovely cute scene and even just you're bringing that up illustrates the fact that like this series should not have been called selena the series um say like, it maybe say it. selena y los dinos the series mm-hmm. maybe the quintanilla family the series or maybe even abraham and ab quintanilla <laughs> girl can we get i'm sorry not even her death scene was about her Mm-mm. I, I I think when we talk about controversy, I think we have colorism is probably the big thing. And I think the second biggest complaint is who was this actually about? And I yeah. think hands down, there was a Rolling Stone article, I believe, about this. And they're just like, who was this series even about? I think at this time, the second part didn't even come out. So even the first part that came out, it was very, very obvious that this was like, I felt like a love letter to Mr. Quintanilla. <laughs> yeah, I think I think in some ways it's very like illustrative of the machismo culture because Selena was always in the series defined by her relationships with men so it was her relationship with her father her relationship with her brother her relationship with chris um that seemed to take kind of the spotlight throughout she was depicted with not a whole lot of depth which i found troubling um in particular like yes her image was like a very important part of her success and an important part of who she was as a person and the fashion and the makeup um, and the boutique and all the things were a very important part of Selena. And I felt like the way it was handled in the series was almost like a joke. Like uh, she's not focusing on the song because she's thinking about the outfits and, and the way that it was like brushed aside seemed like seem to trivialize it more when it's already something that people in society already look at with a trivial lens. Like we've talked about this with ourselves of like almost feeling like this guilt against like feminism, if we care about how we look. Um, And so I think this is just serves to like continue to feed into that guilt rather than centering it as yes it is an important part of who she was um and also it's just like yes she cared about it deeply but like guaranteed selena was thinking about more than just like her clothes and that's really the only things we got to see her passionate about was her clothes her relationship with Chris kind of, um, but like, and her relationship with her sister. um, But mostly it felt like just very shallow. Mm -hmm. And I think that if it was presented in a different sort of way, we could have really lifted it up and, and shown how it's, it's not a shallow point of view. And these are why this, these things are important to her. And this is the real impact of caring about these things on her career. But I, I don't think the series ever got there. No, it definitely minimizes the amount of skill and talent it takes. And I think, let's say she was always thinking about that, even hypothetically, of making it seem like, but up to the music, because guess what, that boutique still made money. Her designs were making money and transforming that. I think they 
what they minimized was how that helped the crossover as well. When we think about artists even today, I mean, what artists do we know that comes out and they don't come out with a perfume line, with a shoes mm-hmm. line, with that? Like when I think about it, I'm like, that was Selena. She once again, very young, opening up not one, but two boutiques with the third one in the way, organizing that business as a as a as a Mexican-American woman starting these, for them to minimize how that drove her name, her music, her aesthetic even further was so minimizing of just talking about how flighty she was, how she couldn't handle all of these just ideas that were popping her head. She never grew past 15, her character did. The, mm. Between the dialogue, the situation, her thought process, it never matured from 15 and how she coped with things, how she expressed her concern, her interactions, like you said, with these male characters was a very demure way of handling it. I'm not going to sit there and pretend like I am also the president of her new fan club, right? I'm no Yolanda, but it's... Thank God. Right? <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> the only casting, I think that was good. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, it's it, it was so minimizing and it was really disappointing to see to see that her side of the work but a b her brother of how he what songs he wrote and how painstakingly he he thought about it and and the brilliance and the the inspiration that he we had. saw his toil and we saw his yes. complexity um and yeah. we just did not really get to experience that with selena or with any of the female characters i would say don't um, get me started on the mom the mom she was done dirty so bad like i felt like she was so minimal like we saw more of the mom in that two-hour movie than we saw of her in the series i agree i agree and when we saw her what was she doing she was making pizza rolls she was serving dinner she was taking some grandkids like i i think i didn't i hardly ever see her she's in the kitchen she's in the dining room like what? <laughs> but you're right. It goes back to that machismoness because it was all produced underneath the family. Now, I know her sister, Suzette, and Abraham, the father, they're kind of the one that handled that because the brother, A.B., is on his music kick, whatever. But when I look on this, I'm just it just reeks of look what we did. Selena would not be where she is without us. And yes, the family band was so important and so foundational. You can't take that away. But I'm getting strong Jackson 5 vibes of at a certain point. At a certain point, yes, the family started it. But once you talk about the it, Selena had it. It was that spark. It was her that people were ultimately after and inspired by and fixated on and who loved and adored and it wasn't the band thing like that wasn't really a thing in pop culture to have like you know a person and then their whole band it's just not really especially an American aesthetic when they're doing that crossover and I think there was just some you could see the grudge and the pull with that and it was just it was it was icky to watch at times yeah and I felt like the only character who you really saw made make peace with that was Suzette, her sister. Yeah. But even Suzette was not a very complex character throughout. Like, I felt like we saw a little bit more of her complexity early on in the series. Mm. But then as the series went on, she became just, like, Team Selena. Like, that's all the only point she served within the, the series, which... I found to be a shame because I find her a very compelling person. Like, honestly, so I got emotional three times <laughs> watching the series, um, two of which were completely rooted in real life and less about like the production of the series and more just like my reaction to those events as global events playing at the Astrodome and uh, her actual death right so those are just iconic things that just make me emotional to think about Um, the third time I got emotional which was actually the first time in the series was early on there was a scene between we see like over the course of the whole episode unfold, there's this young Mexican girl who like really wants to go and see Selena y Los Dinos perform. And she's like begging to go, but she has to work in the family restaurant. And then she eventually her dad kind of like nudges her and just tells her to like screw her parents and just do it. Um, And so she does and she goes and she watches and it's like this whole emotional thing. And this whole time we've been built up as the audience to be like, oh my God, she loves Selena so much. Um, But then she has a moment with Suzette 
at the end. And she talks about like, you know, the importance of that representation. Once again, it always comes back to representation for us, but that representation of a female drummer and mm-hmm. she wants to be a drummer. And like, that was like tears like watching that scene. And what are we going to do? What, what what do we do with that when even female stories are not even about females? Like what, what do we, what do we do with that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it is, it is indicative of culture, right? And even more so in Latino culture, we struggle with that, with, with machismo. Machismo is a major issue. And we talk about the patriarchy. A patriarchy is even stronger in Latino culture. So part of me is like, it has to be in part because because of the family influence, which which we've mentioned, but also because of of the writer's room, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the double edged sword of there were a lot of Latino writers, which is amazing, Latinx writers in the writer's room. But we bring our own like cultural biases to our work as artists. So I wonder if if that is part of the reason. And I mean, this is why we mentioned several times that even a work like for this, like I said, I, I watched the series. I don't know if there's going to be a part three, if they're going to go into the trial. I tend to doubt it. I don't know. Like I said, the reviews on here are very up and down, uh, but I'm still, I'm still glad this was made. And I do hope it inspires another generation. And this character, uh, this Selena, this real person is so inspiring and so beloved, but it's never going to be perfect. And it was, it wasn't. And, and that, and that's okay. But like you said, as long as we're still dealing with like generational trauma, as long as we're dealing with our own cultural biases and problems, even the things that we make will still kind of show the lenses of places where we still need work. And I think even just having that bondage and complexity of family where family can be the most amazing line of support right? And I think you get that. You do get that in the series that there is, but there's genuine love and no one's going to root for you louder and stronger than your family. But with that comes a price of this unwavering dying loyalty, Mm -hmm. even if it holds you back. Cause who like, it's, it's a weird push pull and you see that very much. And you can tell within the writers and the direction that they showed that whether they meant to or not, that interesting dynamic of the family that will build you up but will also will tend to also make sure that you stay with them at all costs like I even think about part of the series where she starts having like fans just bust into the house like because they wanted to live together and be together and that was so important to the family that was not safe for Selena that was not safe at that point of fame that they obviously pushed her towards but that was more important to kind of have that control and to be together. Even, you know, traveling together as a family was not necessarily the best or the healthiest or the safest, but they were together and you felt that you could see that it was very palpable watching it. So, yeah, yeah. I do feel like it did keep the ethos and this is probably going back again to the, the family's actual control of the production. But I think there is no questioning of the dangers of family um, mm. because it almost it feels like a cautionary tale that where at the end it's like, well, it should have only been family, right? With Yolanda being the mm. only one who gets in mm. and then being mm. the person who ultimately murders Selena. And so it feels almost like a cautionary tale of like, no, we should have never trusted anyone else who wasn't family. Uh, but at the same time, you have band members who are not part of the family Um who do get a little bit more development than in the movie, which I did appreciate, but even still are like, like what happened to Ricky? We don't know. Like, like he was really important for a while. And then he just kind of faded into the background. Wrote this beautiful song. And then poof. (laughs) I can only hope that this is, you know, like a, a wedge in the door and people are going to, more people will find their way through. Um, But I, do not think it is the turning point that it could have been. Yes, and I do agree with that. Uh, in my own notes, I I think that was probably one of the biggest letdown of thinking of what this could have done. I still think it's going to inspire uh, another generation because especially 
not because of the quality because the 90s are very in right now right everyone's kind of mm. taking it back and you can't do the 90s i think what was it even old navy i think had was selling an old school selena t-shirt uh forever know, but, 21 had a whole line yeah so i think it's more like it's aesthetic but not necessarily the music which i think is really more of the heart you don't get to have one without the other i think you shouldn't but when you think about it watching this series and i think but is this going to inspire more works done like with a main um, latina latino cast is is this what it's supposed to do is this giving is this understanding the assignment and I, I don't know. I think it's caused more division. Like I said, I think it's brought up more of the problems we were already aware of, you know, the patriarchy and colorism. I don't I don't know if this necessarily uplifted and highlighted and had that clamoring for more of these stories that it was supposed to. I I don't know. The second part just came out and just what I'm hearing, I I, I hope it does. I hope maybe it does the opposite of where people are like this wasn't done right screw it i'll do it mm-hmm. i'm that's what i will hoping within the community will th- i i will do it i will become a director i will become a writer i'll be a casting director i will do costumes i will do these things because i keep seeing things not done in a way that is inspiring and all-encompassing so yeah i mean and and i hope it does and it it did like I, I threw a little bit of shade towards the writers' room, but uh, ultimately, like I'm, I'm very glad to hear about the predominantly Latinx writers' group who who wrote all of the series. And I think the the question of representation when it comes to writing is, um, when will it be better? And so, like mm. Latinos in our culture in the U.S. make up like twenty percent of the population, um, and within the Screen Writers Guild, there are seven point eight percent Latino writers. So they're one of the most underrepresented in terms of like percentages, like less represented than Blacks, even uh, than Black people, than. Um, than Asians, than like all sorts of people. So I think hopefully with more people doing that work, we'll see see the ripple of more and more. But I think in terms of like representation as a whole, and this isn't just Latinos, but like all people of color in, in this line of work is with diversity sort of incentives, we're seeing more people kind of stuck in those entry level positions. Mm-hmm. Like there might be more Latinos writing, but the majority of them are like entry level. So I do wonder um, what needs to happen to be like the tipping point to see actual progression and representation within higher levels of this sort of artistic work. Maybe it's, being tired of seeing fake bums on perhaps perhaps (laughs) i mean the fake butt and then it's still like it was not as big and did not look as good like i don't know it's just it was like a half-hearted attempt yeah we came for peaches we came for the cakes we got nothing we got crepes came for cakes left with crepes I just want to have a better, well-rounded perception of what what Selena's life really was like, you know, um, because I I do find her a very strong and powerful influence. I think she in a strong, positive one, and I think it would not detract from that by being able to see her as more human. Mm, I agree. Well. Shall we uh, shift gears and talk happy place? We should. Even though this is a lovely place, but let's get let's get happier. What is making you happy? Uh, to st- on theme, but not on theme. Um, me, like so many other parents, 
over the winter season have probably watched Encanto more times than they can probably count. So um, Encanto is my happy place. It is. I love it. I love it. I love it. My daughter loves it. We have this. The soundtrack is the only way chores get done in my house. Uh, <laughs> it's delightful. I think it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful movie. So, yeah. Have you seen it yet? No. I think no. you should. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not big on the the children's movies. I know. I know. That's what you want to do with your limited time off is watch a, a kid a musical movie at that, which I know is your fave. Um, but I think I think you would enjoy it. I actually do legitimately think you would. I think the music is a bop, and I know you enjoy a good a good hit, and I think you would really like it. Yeah, I'll add it to the list. Yeah. There's there's a lot of things on that list. <laughs> and there's like a new season of Hentified and I just I don't have enough hours in the day, unfortunately. No one does. No one. I thought I was gonna get caught up over the winter break on thing. False. No. Well, False. that's the thing about winter break is it's not a break because it's also like the busiest family social obligation time of the year. Agreed. <laughs> What about what about you? Um, you know, I like I like to keep it simple. Mm. Um, so my my happy place is is somewhat simple. Uh, I mean, we can distill it down to reading as usual, but more specifically, I am doing a challenge. I know people hate challenges. That's become like a thing. That's like, I'm, I, you know what I'm doing this month? Surviving this month. That's my challenge. And <laughs> I can respect that. Like, let's build in more spaciousness and more whatever. But, but what I love about a challenge is that you feel like a connectedness to other people who are doing a similar thing. It's, it's another method for community building. And yes. I'm always looking to build my reading community. So there's a, an Instagram bookstagrammer um, who I follow. Reggie reads, and he has been doing this uh, 10 books, 10 decades challenge. And so Ooh. I found out about it near the end of last year, but it was too late. I could like there was no way in four days that I was going to be able to read five additional books. Um, oh, no. Because I had only had five decades represented in all of my reading for last year. So I have built my plan for this year of 10 books. Um, and I went with a theme and I am very excited to start tackling it. I am reading 10 books from 10 different decades about ghosts. And uh, yes. I'm excited for reading some, some good fiction in between all the schoolwork. Oh, that will be so good. Cause I know just how much you're reading and how much you miss reading for pleasure and especially something as ple and I think it's for ghosts you'll actually do it and exactly that, yeah so I, I have I have my stack of 10 books in my house I got the, I got all the books one book I had some trouble hunting down because it was out of print and it is now fucking a hundred dollars to buy this book <gasps> uh, so I was able to hunt it down through a library that is not not local to me um, and got it in the mail. So I I was able to get all 10 books that I set out to on my list and I will be reading them. Yay. Are you going to post them on Instagram? Uh, yeah, I think I will. You should. So then we can like stock and keep up and see how your, your timely ghosts are doing. That'd be fab. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, I do have two white men on the list. Um, one of them was just Turn of the Screw because I'd never read it. Um, and it's such a classic. And one of them was one that was on my to-read list for a long time. But otherwise, I, I opted for people of color and women writing about ghosts. I'm I'm here for it. Oh, this is going to be so good. Well, stay tuned there, unicorns, and have more things to add to your lovely library. Yes. All right. On that note, we're going to shift gears and wrap this up. Um, do let us know what you're reading and what you're watching to bring you joy. You can do that all sorts of ways. You can send us an email, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at biracialunicorns, and we're on Twitter at biracialmagic. 
We want to give a huge shout out to Dolly Pop Art, who does our very iconic unicorn photo. Go on Instagram, y'all. Go see, I had the y'all just for go on Instagram, y'all. Go follow her. Go look at her things. She's got the neatest stuff. We also want to give a huge shout out to Joseph Scott, who's done our wonderful intro and outro music. Thank you so much to So Smith Photography, who's done some of our in-person photos. She is also on Instagram at So Smith Photography. And if you're in the Oklahoma area surrounding, go get your photos taken. It's a magical time. It's cold. It's wintry. Go do it. And also, if you're there just on the interwebs, go ahead and give us a review. It helps us so much to have a really great, positive, glowing review. It kind of forces us through the machine of the algorithm to get this information and this community building resource into the ears, into the hands of people that we we want to. And it helps. And if you're also so inspired, if you want to drop us a little bit of coin, buy us a cup of coffee as it were to help just keep the lights on. That helps us out a lot. We're not doing this to get rich. We don't get paid to do any of this. This is a part, part, part time gig, but it does take work and planning. And that little bit of uh, financial support helps keep uh, us going. If we need any equipment, if we need to store all of this wonderful knowledge, it just helps out. So yeah, all that information will also be linked in our show notes as well. Yes. And if you're trying to get off the internet, uh, presumably you still have your phone, which is probably where you're listening to us from. Um, you can always drop us a voicemail, 505-585-1808. It's 505-585-1808. Ooh, good one. Really, really good one. Still need a jingle. Still need a jingle. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll, we'll be back next week with a mini-sode and in two weeks with another full episode. Mm-hmm. Peace.